Hello, and welcome to the Spark Podcast. I'm Chris Tremaine, and we're here to talk today about kind of a growing issue, which is getting more millennials into government. We've been looking at a lot of the barriers to millennials entering the federal workforce and talking a lot about it. So I've brought together a group today of millennials. They have joined me to really talk about these, uh, what they value in the workplace, and what some of the barriers that they think about when what could be a barrier in joining the federal workforce. So I will have my group here introduce themselves and share um, how long they've also been in the workforce. Sure. Hi, I'm Lauren Tyndall. I've been in the workforce for nine years. I'm a learning and development manager here at ICF. Hi, I'm Brenda Gupta. I'm, I've been in the workforce for eight years now, and I'm a senior associate in customer experience. Hello everyone, I'm Eric Cortez, a senior associate in the marketing team, and I've been in the workforce for now a little over 10 years. Hi, I'm Allie Rayner, and I am a research assistant with our E3 team doing social uh, media and marketing, and I've been in the workforce for two years. Hi everyone, Emily Kleiman. Um, I work with our corporate marketing and PR team, and I've been in the wor workforce for six years, but it feels like yesterday. So. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks for joining, guys. And you know, um, while no one here actually works for the federal government, our primary client that we all work for here is the federal government. And in fact, um, some of you I know work on site at federal agencies. So I think we bring a perspective that's unique, and I look forward to talking about that. So let's just kind of kick it off, and you know, tell me, how do you guys perceive? the federal government and working for the federal government? This is kind of a tricky question to answer because I have the inside perspective, but I've also been, before I came to Washington, I never worked with the federal government. So there's that experience of having, you know, worked only on commercial projects and commercial clients. There was this impression that, you know, government represents bureaucracy, but there are you know, getting work done is, you know, you're working through a lot of rigidity, regulation, mm -hmm. um, confirming, to a, confirming to a lot of rules. So there's that impression of like working in government can be difficult and it's a rigid environment. Lots of nodding heads. So sounds like everybody <laughs> agrees with that. The red tape. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My red favorite tape. word. And then uh, the other piece of it is that you just think that this government is not where innovation is happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I never thought I would work for the federal government because I studied journalism and writing and then I went into travel and tourism, and which was a little more lenient. You had a big idea, you had a big budget, go ahead, go do it. Mm -hmm. No loopholes, like Brenda was saying. And like Brenda, now I work on-site with a, a government healthcare um, client and there are a lot of, I'm not going to say loopholes, but just the approval process for something very simple to me needs, you know, 10 people to look at, 508 compliancy, mm -hmm. technology behind it as well, like do we have it, is it old school, is it new school, so it's very interesting to see things evolve in a very weird manner from when I started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just kind of building on what Eric said about never thinking you would work in a uh, with a government agency, um, my dad has worked in a government agency his whole life, um, one to another, so... Um, I uh, always grew up going to those agencies with him on like take your daughter to work day, things like that. And I remember he always pushed for me to work for the government because, you know, you got 
a pretty decent amount of job security and things like that so he always really pushed for that um and I was always like absolutely not like that's not for me I'm a free spirit whatever you want to call it <laughs> um but now funnily enough I actually do contracting work for one of the agencies that he worked for that I used to go to as a kid so it's definitely um like uh we've kind of said that that rigid environment is certainly there um at least for this particular agency so Right. And I think some of it is also just that public perception and communication piece of it. So you don't really hear in the news about this splashy new product that the government is putting out. Like you hear that about, um, you know, Amazon drones and like pizza delivering mm -hmm. things. Or a cool new startup. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Companies pushing out new products every now and then. But again, that's the perception. And right. Like I said before, that was my perception before I came to Washington and before I started working on federal government projects, but I've been a part of a lot of very cool projects now that my friends who work on on the agency side, on commercial clients mm -hmm. also envy sometimes. Right. right, and I would add to that, add what Emily and Brenda were saying, that I think sometimes it really is that perception issue. Uh, and there is a lot of really cool work being done in the government and like what gets the publicity is the red tape or the, the mm. challenges right. and things like point. that. But yeah, in the nine years I've been in government, yeah, I've seen a lot of really awesome things going on. But I think, yeah, getting that message out is is not really happening to the degree that it could be. And I think that's a shame because there's, you know, I think one of the things and we can talk about this more is that millennials are really motivated by purpose. We want to make a difference. Mm. Uh, and like where better to make a difference than in the federal government where you have the potential to literally impact millions of people's lives, you know, and, and you may only be, you know, impacting a little small bit, um, but that little small bit adds up to impacting millions of people's lives. So I think there are great opportunities for the government to kind of better get that word out. So that's a great, um, the, the motive, being motivated by purpose-driven work, I, I've certainly heard that a lot from the millennials that we've hired, and in fact, it's been a driving force for why they've even come to ICF. So, so talking, you can talk a little bit more about that, but other, other just more general driving forces behind what, what you think millennials value in the workplace, and, and, and then you can tie that to what you may perceive in the federal workforce mm -hmm. or not. I think having a diverse perspective of things, to your point, and diversity to me, to anyone, means a lot of things. <laughs> but And then to me, when I go into an employer, or a boardroom, a meeting, or even things right now, I like to look around the room to see, you know, who is it that looks like me. Um, when I was young, when I heard of the government, I just thought of it as a and the older white male, and that's mm -hmm. it. And then as you started working into it, and even where I work now, the client, it's very not that. Um, and changing lives, to your point, um, about, you know, I work in government healthcare where, like, something as simple as a tweet or a message back to someone, uh, like a Latino person or African-American, Asian, that have, like, a lot of higher health disparities, like, simple message back to them about, getting screened for cancer or mm -hmm. whatever just makes a huge difference and that's where that technology comes to play where people sometimes are afraid to pick up the phone mm -hmm. a simple message to the Facebook page and that's it you possibly could have saved a life I have I feel like and many in this room will relate with that is we're not afraid of change it's overwhelming 
but it's fun. I've loved it. And I think um, we, before, again, I, I say these things as if I had like two lives before and after Washington. <laughs> <laughs> um, before coming here, I didn't think that, um, you know, you think of government jobs as like something you settle in for life and that's mm -hmm. what you do for life and you'll be in this one role and you keep writing this agency. But, and to your point, Ali, earlier, the safety and stability of a government job is attractive, but maybe not so much to our generation. Mm -hmm. We value new experiences much more mm -hmm. than stability. Yeah. And I would build on that too, I think, related to the new experiences. Millennials really want the opportunity to learn and grow. Um, and I think historically, people haven't really seen the federal government necessarily as a place to do that. And again, I feel like I'm saying the same thing in a different way. I think it really is a place where you can mm -hmm. do that because if you think about it, you're joining a workforce of millions of people, all of whom you can learn from in informal ways as well as lots of different formal learning opportunities that are offered by the government. You know, I hear I have friends who do details, you know, and are able to move around to different agencies and get those kinds of experiences. So I think, yeah, the millennial audience really does want that opportunity to learn and grow. And I think that's also a product of the economy we're in and sort of there's a lot of, I'm a little biased because I'm in learning and development, but there is a lot of research out there to <laughs> say that, like, we can't even predict what the jobs are going to be in 20 years. So we we as millennials have to keep learning and growing or else yeah. we're going to not have jobs in 20 years. So you guys have talked about a lot of the things that you value, mobility, purpose-driven, flexibility, uh, diversity it's, are some of the words, variability, change. So those are the types of things you guys have been saying. So when you think about the federal government, and, and a couple of you have already said that you, the perception and the reality are different. So if you're the federal, if you're the federal employee and you need to attract millennials into the workforce, what do you think they need to do? How do they need to approach this or do this differently? I think for one, socialize your work more. So sharing their stories. Yeah, more. sharing their That's stories. That's what I'm hearing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in the learning and development space, we sometimes call it like working out loud. Yeah. Uh, mm, and I, I like think that. Yeah. I like yeah, that a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and you see that happening a lot in in a lot of the tech organizations actually in government, a lot more blogging starting to happen. I've worked a lot over the past three years with the US Digital Service, just to name one client, and they and some of their other kind of sister organizations, ATF and others, um, they do a lot of that blogging about sort of where they are and what they're doing, challenges they're facing, and I think that really does help because if you don't have awareness that this stuff is going on, sure, the, those perceptions that have persisted for you know the past 50 years about the government are going to continue on and you know Eric I know you talked a lot about um, all the approved the lengthy approval process and the time it takes to to get stuff out yep. does that impact do you think the ability for the government to communicate with in a, at a more real-time basis with Millennials I think so I think government agencies and um, and anyone are starting to change the wheelhouse they're turning into their own I guess media medium they're turning into a newspaper a magazine television station because they're creating blogs podcasts um, even you know you know PSAs um, internet PSAs where people need information right away they, especially in healthcare when you figured out a new I don't want to use the word cure but just vaccine or a treatment 
people want to know where to get that right away because you know your lives are at stake and luckily I work in social media as well where that is constantly changing not the same th one thing you do yesterday isn't going to be the same thing you do today or tomorrow so the software companies for measurement and publishing um, and social listening they're also changing as well yeah and I, I would add to that yet yeah, it's interesting another thing I think the government can do is to advertise the challenge of working government sometimes it's a good thing bureaucracy hacking you hear I've heard that term yeah. used mm -hmm. a lot because millennials I mean we like good challenges we like the opportunity um, to solve those like thorny issues. So just let's talk a little bit about innovation too because I think um, you know we're certainly used to our Amazon like experiences and you know this great customer experience that we experience every day with with you know when, when we go online to get something or order something. You talked a little bit about innovation but, but what what does the government need to do to innovate more, knowing still that it also is innovating, as, as Lauren and Brenda both talked about. So some of it is sharing stories, but we do know that they, that you know from a digital transformation standpoint, they are behind um, in some ways. So what do you think the barriers? Are? What do you think they need to do? Try it out. <laughs> Something as simple as mm -hmm. a Facebook Live or federal. Mm -hmm. So agencies. experimentation. Right. It's mm -hmm. like Ooh, we don't know if we want to do that because we can't control the message. Right. Luckily, uh, there are many out there that have done it, and then some want it overly produced in a studio, but then there's the organic approach just by the use of a cell phone. So experimenting try and, and kind of the fear of failure gets in the way, and, and the controlling of the message, those yeah. are great points. What else do you think? I think it all leads back to just kind of a, a change in culture, too. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think it takes a lot to build a culture of innovation when you're not you know, kind of traditionally set up that way or set up in a, in a way that makes experimentation or, um, you know, trying new things easy. I think it's, it's easier to say this is the way we've always done it. So I think there needs to be that kind of internal communication that, you know, this is something that we really value and um, it's okay to make a mistake every once in a while, not to make a habit of it, but just kind of to have that culture building um, be a really strong priority. And just, I mean, I could not agree more with that uh, sentiment. Um, you know, I've had the experience of working on with a client who is so ready for new innovations and like willing to take our advice and do, try new things. But then I've also worked with a client who is the absolute opposite. And um, it's very difficult. And I think that having people come on that are willing to take a little risk or just try something that they're not familiar with or just really just embrace change the fact mm -hmm. that you know things aren't the same as they were 10 20 years ago and I mean the same age things move so quickly that you look back a decade I mean it's a whole different world so and I, I think that some people who especially have been in the government for a very long time mm -hmm. and that you know many of the people we work with for them they still quite aren't there and um, mm -hmm. I think kind of getting some people on board that are more up to speed and ready to embrace those changes is I mean that's probably the most important thing. Change is a great point and you know again I think this is a this this could be at, at sort of the crux of the generation gaps too in government and so I'm going to turn to Lauren because this is sort of Lauren's field a little learning and development <laughs> and change management because we know that that's a piece of this a big piece of this puzzle in terms of innovation and adoption of new technologies and mm -hmm. things so just comment, you know, we don't see that being um, procured along with the other things. 
mm-hmm. um, sometimes. So just your thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking from like a an organizational change perspective. I think one thing in particular that sticks out to me, like even hearing what you're saying, Allie and, and Emily, um, is leader development. I think, well, I think there there's developing the leaders that are already in government. I think that's one thing. And there's also when you bring people in, who are you bringing in? Uh, so there's a selection piece to that as well as the leader development once people are in. Um, and I think a lot of people that have been in government, I think just giving them the support they need to, to know what it looks like to support employees when it comes to innovation, what it means. Because I feel like people hear the word innovation. It's a scary word, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's really debuzzifying is what I like to say when I hear the term innovation. as like making that accessible for the everyday person. And it doesn't mean you need to be developing the new app that's going to, you know, cure cancer. It means, you know, maybe we're going to get our our organization to try a Facebook Live event, although that might be kind of extreme for some. (laughs) I think one experience I had that was kind of meaningful for me is I got one of my army clients to test out a little bit of social media. So they did like one one tweet and one (laughs) LinkedIn post. (laughs) And it was... (laughs) (laughs) Or fortunately, depending what it was. (laughs) So anyway, I think, um, yeah, so the leader development piece, selection as well, developing people. That's a great point. And in really arming those leaders with with the skills to know what it what it looks like to support innovation and experimentation and risk taking and and also how to support people through change because while millennials love change change is scary change is hard there's emotions that go with it yeah. and so it's hard for um, everybody right right so equipping them to handle that as well it sounds so superficial but talking about like dress code and mm-hmm. I see a lot of like being on site I I see a lot of people still wearing suits to work and I feel like I have to show up in suits at work mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. when you embrace that casual a little bit of like relaxed atmosphere you're you're giving that message mm-hmm. too that you're not afraid of failure yeah and some people might think that sounds like well that's kind of superficial like why does it matter what we wear but that sends a huge signal about what you value yeah and when you say hey we're gonna we're gonna think about you millennial what 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 a millennials value in the workplace and like oh yeah okay we'll we'll give a little on the the dress code and yeah like, that sends a message about you know flexibility and you know, willingness to kind of meet meet the employee where they are you yeah, know awesome. that was a great what you just said why does it matter what we wear and I mean, I think that a lot of government industries still view it as it matters because you're not going to be professional if you're not right. looking professional. But, you know, I had a, um, a uh, manager here tell me once that as long as you're getting your work done and you're operating at a the level that I know you can operate at, I don't care if you're wearing pajamas. Because, <laughs> because truthfully, I mean, <laughs> why does it matter? And I, I think that that message has not quite reached many government agencies. And personally, I, as well, when I've gone to interviews, not recently, of course, <laughs> um, I've noticed, or even just meet and greets when I'm already working, that whenever I use my hands, I s- notice their eyes go straight to, for the viewers or listeners, I hope you can't see it, go straight to a tattoo, and they just go right there instead of like, and that gives off a bad vibe too, like, why does it matter if I have ink on my skin as well? I think that is changing over over time, of Seems course. like it. <laughs> yeah. Great. So... I'll sort of, I'm going to ask you one question we'll wrap this up with, and it's really, it, it's hard to say, but I want you to say the one thing, if you're going to ask the government, if, if we're talking about them changing their, their messaging and that, if there's one thing the government could communicate better 
to attract millennials into the workforce, what would it be? Don't be jaded. Um, I think, you know, I'm still in my 20s and sometimes I feel like I am. Um, <laughs> just kind of being in the workforce and like I said, it feels like yesterday that I was in college. So it's just, it's such a different environment. Um, and I think that sometimes it is very easy to fall into the trap of, oh, that's not gonna work because we've tried something like that. and once or twice I've noticed myself saying something along those lines to a newer employee and I have to catch myself and be like no like let them be enthusiastic let them be the ones to make the change because we might be ready for it now so I would say just you know one don't be jaded and two do your best to make sure that others keep their enthusiasm also because that's the kind of energy that's needed to make all the changes that we are talking about. You know being open to that change and a different perspective and I think most, my opinion, sometimes agencies and organizations want to stick with what they know and hire within either within internally or from that same industry. But I went from travel and tourism into healthcare, completely different. Um, but that perspective has helped me throughout the three, four years in healthcare, government healthcare now. So embrace change, be innovative, try new things, don't be. Um, afraid to fail, just pick yourself back up. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say embrace leanness. Just get rid of. We're doing a lot of that work uh, gov across government. There's some of that work happening about cutting the layers and making processes shorter and simpler. And I think m I think government needs needs to embrace leanness and talk about it too. Gotcha. I would go back to what I started with at the beginning regarding purpose. I think I'm going to adopt, this isn't my own phrase, it's Simon Sinek's phrase, who's a leadership guru, but start with why, you know, wh what is it that you're doing? I see job descriptions sometimes that are very, like, technical in nature, like, sure, you're going to push this button to do this <laughs> thing, but, like, what, what's why? the goal we're working towards? Who are we helping? Focus on the people at the other end and really be, you know, be human about it and, you know, Again, the purpose piece is going to be really motivating, and I think there, it's going to be an easy thing. It's just a communication thing. Well, this has been great. Thank you for lots of great insights here, and um, I think uh, you know, I think the it's not a hopeless case. You know, there there <laughs> is you know, it, you know, I say it's so interesting because um, the government does align with it's so purpose driven and so um, does such great work that's that's focused on on you know, uh, citizens and making things better for our society. So um, it's great insight and, and to hear what you think they could do better. So I appreciate that. And, you know, if anyone wants to learn more about kind of the digital transformation work and some of those um, challenges, we've just recently completed the Federal Digital Trends Report, and it can be found at icf.com backslash federal trends. So thanks again for coming and for all of you who have tuned into this episode of The Spark.